God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Kavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, you know, it seems like the dam is breaking. We got Peter Strzok notes that have been released. We have pictures, new pictures floating around of Hunter Biden, the smartest, the smartest uh, guy, uh, 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 the smartest guy, Joe Biden, the Biden crime family has ever seen. Apparently. Right? I mean, <laughs> Hunter Biden, uh, he was in an interview with uh, a co- comedian, um, Colbert. Stephen Colbert, yeah. Yeah, that was that was what they brought to the table. That was the serious journalism yes, going over yes. on mainstream uh, media. And he was asked a softball question. And they dress it up, you know, like softball it out, you know. And they... They dress it up and they're like, you know, the other side's going to be playing this against you. And, you know, what are you going to do about it? And it's like, I trust my son. He's the smartest intellectual capacity of any person I've, I've ever met. He's got bad teeth. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. He's got if, he can, teeth. If, he, if he cannot even take care of his own personal health, his own personal well being, and I'm not trying to diminish the importance and, uh, and significance of somebody who has an addiction problem. I mean, and, and that's where the left will always go with this. They will say, oh, well, he's got an addiction problem. Okay, fine. If he has an addiction problem, then let him get the help that he so desperately needs. But we cannot ignore the corruption that has happened at the same time, which has nothing to do with the addiction problem. So Joe Biden cannot skirt away from this and use platitudes or use social justice or try to get the media and the public on his side because he has gone through so much personal tragedy in his life. I mean, many people have had personal tragedy. Personal tragedy is not an excuse for corruption. It's not. It's not. But, you know, it's not the the. Damn breaking doesn't stop there. So President Trump said he was declassifying. This do, this this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Of course not. And uh, the posture that President Trump has taken, 
seems to me like he is confident that he is going to prevail. And I, I have a feeling that that is just going to be the point um, when all of this is said and done. And it's no help from the SCOTUS. Then this yeah. is the problem is you have a cowardice, uh, Justice, Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts is a, a bit of a coward. Yeah. Um, and so we have uh, testimony and commentary from General Flynn from Patrick Byrne today. Uh, we're going to be um, playing some clips uh, about um, a, uh, a, con- a congressional guy. Uh, forget his name. But he, he, he was on C-SPAN. He was talking about what he heard, what his staffers heard through the walls uh, within the Supreme Court chambers. A real unique uh, uh, opportunity to listen in on what might have been happening. Are so you talking about Mo Brooks? Yeah, I think that might have been Mo yes. Brooks. Yeah. So let's take a let's take a listen to this clip really really quick because I, this was pretty interesting. You know, this was uh, telling. But we have Mo Brooks doubling down on his objections. There's 18 members of Congress that are going to ob- object uh, come January 6th. Uh, you also have Rand Paul uh, two days ago, basically saying, "Hey, this election was stolen and there was um, fraud, and you can't say anything different." And he, take a listen to this uh, testimony of what somebody heard, uh, what somebody's staff member heard in the Supreme Court related to Justice Roberts. Line uh, that talks of, uh, uh, it was written by someone who's a current staffer uh, for one of the Supreme Court justices. And this, I'll just describe the report to you that I read, and you can make of it what you will. Um, he said that. The justices, as they always do, went into a closed room to discuss, you know, cases they're taking or do debate. There's no phones, no computers, no nothing. No one else is in the room except for the nine justices. It's typically very civil. Um, they usually don't hear any sound. They just debate what they're doing. But when the Texas case was brought up, he said he heard screaming through the walls as Justice Roberts and the other liberal justices were insisting that this case not be taken up. Um, and the reason, the, the words that were heard through the wall um, when just... The case he's talking about is the Texas case. Yes. And so they were de- deliberating, they were debating behind closed doors in private chambers with no uh, electronic devices. And there were uh, Justice Thomas and Alito were like, let's hear the case. And Chief Justice Roberts was afraid of riots. Let's continue. Justice Thomas and Justice Alito were citing uh, Bush versus Gore from John Roberts were, I don't give up about that case. I don't want to hear about it. At that time, we didn't have riots. So what he was saying was that he was afraid of what would happen if they did the right thing. And I'm sorry, but that is moral cowardice. And, and we in the SREC, I'm an SREC member, we put those words in very specifically because the charge of the Supreme Court is to ultimately be our final arbitrator, our final line of defense for right and wrong. And they did not do their duty. 
So I think we should leave these words in because I want to send a strong message to them. Thank you. That's pretty powerful stuff. And, you know, Chief Justice Roberts has, uh, he is the chief, right? So he has a somewhat unique situation going on there where he gets uh, to control um, certain things that the other associate justices do not get to control. For example, Chief Justice Roberts wields great power, Lynn Wood says, has significant, number one, he has significant influence. I've always wondered this, too, the distinguishing differences between the chief justice and And the the associate justices. Number one, chief justice has significant influence in selection of cases for review. Okay, that's pretty powerful right there. That's sort of like being Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor as the Senate Majority Leader or the Speaker of the House. You get to control what gets put on the floor. So, number one, Chief Justice has significant influence in selection of cases for review. Number two, preside, they, uh, the Chief Justice presides over oral arguments. So they're sort of like an arbitrator. They, they uh, get to decide who writes the majority opinion. Yeah, yeah. well, that's number three. Yeah. Um, you just um, stepped on my number three. Aw. Um, but number three leads discussion of cases among the justices. And when court renders an opinion, if in a majority, he chooses who writes court's opinion. So that's, uh, that's by Lynn Wood. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate that he put that out there because I really didn't know exactly. I know that uh, the Chief Justice also gets to um, uh, swear in uh, the president, you mm-hmm. know, and things like that. But, you know, what's interesting is when there's a vacancy, the President of the United States can take any other justice. Yeah. It's not just a seat. I used to think that it was a seat from a certain district or or it's a lineage, Sort of like, you know, Chief Justice Warren, you know, when he died, the next justice that would replace him would be the Chief Justice. And it was just like that, just by chance. And it turns out it's it's really not like that. I think it was Rehnquist that, that Justice Roberts replaced. And Chief Justice Rehnquist uh, came down, uh, was, was the Chief Justice. And then Roberts took his place and became Chief Justice. But... Uh, during the time when there's a president that resigns, the chief justice resigns, dies, is impeached, or resigns, whatever, uh, the president, when there's a vacancy in the chief justice spot, can pretty much allocate and deem, you know, allocate who the chief justice will be. And so that's a pretty uh, powerful position. It's actually the Constitution that mandates that there must be a chief justice. And that's why the president makes the appointment with the consent of of the Senate. And that's based on tradition. Well, if the Democrats were to have their way and their druthers and uh, somehow win, uh, win back, somehow win back the White House and the Senate, which they haven't done either, um, then they would actually have that ability to pack the court. And um, it would almost be like another legislative body, uh, number one. And uh, and that would be a scary, scary thing. Already this court seems to be politicized, uh, whether it's chief justices ruling on, um, on uh, 
on, on Obamacare and, and a whole host of others recently mm-hmm. uh, where he is engaged in cases that didn't make uh, constitutional sense. Uh, just he, he pretty much became a bit of a liberal maverick. And uh, so that's a problem. So you have the, you know, the pressures going against Chief Justice Roberts because Michigan, uh, the state of Michigan and uh, Sidney Powell is, be, is able to now take her case to the Supreme Court. It got put on the docket. And as you recall, when the Texas case uh, came on the docket, it was on the docket, right? And it was it took a uh, just a couple of days before the decision was rendered that they weren't going to weigh in on it. Mm-hmm. So we'll know pretty quick what uh, the Supreme Court's going to do regarding Michigan. They can't use the standing anymore. So Michigan has standing. Yeah. And uh, the other part of it is Michigan has Antrim County, uh, the Antrim County in the books. All right. And there's um there's a lot of good. Uh, good litigation going on in Wisconsin. And I, th- I actually think that President Trump can win each one of these states through proper litigation. And in that, um, there's so much fraud. Like in Nevada, there's just uh, an overwhelming number uh, that would change the outcome of that election, which is separated by six to 10,000. Um, and it, would, it, would o- it was overwhelming there. And so... Uh, they had illegals voting, non-registrations voting in in uh, Nevada. They also had a high number of um, errors, and yeah. the errors tr- uh, transferred over to adjudication, and adjudication was rigged because there was no chain of custody and there was no oversight, and the the person that was in control can pretty much do anything that they wanted, and that's Harry Reid country. So it's a very corrupt uh, political system in Clark County in Las Vegas. Uh, Maricopa County is proving to be the same problem. Lots of errors. Well, what was the same uh, ingredient in Antrim? In Antrim, uh, President Trump was supposed to win that by 70%. He lost by a few percentage points, that county. Small county, but a good sample and so they ended up looking at that county and seeing 68% error rate when the normal error rate is supposed to be 0.08. Okay, so do the difference. And you look at Clark. Clark, they said Clark County was 70%. Now, the bigger the population, the more numbers you're going to get out of that in terms of anomalies. So in Wisconsin, they got this thing you know, where they're uh, basically the uh, indefinitely confined, where you're not supposed to have indefinitely confined uh, if uh, under you know, just for pandemic purposes or just for if you uh, if COVID is floating around. If someone if, if there's a flu going around, you're not indefinitely confined. You're indefinitely confined if you have the flu or COVID. But 215,000 people in a race that was separated by 20,000. Um, normally that number is 50,000. It was 215,000 this time. And that meant that people can vote absentee without a, without verification, without a, without a valid ID. So I think you're going to be able to um, look at Wisconsin and overturn those votes 
because it was unconstitutional. The other angle of this is what Rand Paul had been saying in the committee hearing. And he was talking about he agrees that the state legislature should have the ultimate power. State legislature should have the ultimate power. So send it back to the state legislatures. So when the state legislatures, who are Republican legislatures, deem that there was fraud or or that they declare that the state of uh, Secretary of State and the governor and the attorney general were acting rogue and outside of their constitutional uh, authority, then uh, they can they can revoke the 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 uh, the ruling of early mail-in balloting and no, zero chain of custody in Wisconsin. The other anomaly was that people were getting these ballots, tossing them into a big bin. They were being picked up by Democrat operatives, and they were being basically harvested on steroids. It was like lazy harvesting. It used to be that in California, at least, they would go door to door. Here, there are people just tossing them into a barrel, and the barrel would be picked up and harvested and allocated as needed. Well, in Michigan, in Detroit, there were trucks that showed up at 2, 3 in the morning, 3, 4 in the morning. So Gateway Pundit went over there to the uh, arena or whatever it was, the facility, and said, we would like to have a 24 hours worth of uh, video. And they said that was going to be like uh, a huge number. And it's on the cover of, um, of the Gateway Pundit right now. And it's, um, they said something like it was going to be an astronomical number. And uh, it turned out that they're only going, it was $22,000 for one day's worth of video is what they were going to, the TCF center was going to charge. So instead they asked for two hours of video. And the Gateway Pundit says, we will get the video. So that's kind of an interesting thing, too, because the video didn't work out so well for Mm -hmm. Georgia. I guarantee you the video won't work out Mm -hmm. so well for Detroit either with these trucks and a whole bunch of other anomalies. Like, for example, the questions that uh, the video can answer. How many people were in TCF Center? And is there any validity to the excuse that they... uh, were past COVID capacity, the excuse they used to exclude, well, the video could determine that. that. These are all excuses that are already in the books. Why did so many Democrat poll workers bring bring in suitcases? Did they hide illegal ballots in them? Were the machines networked? Can we see the modem and wires networking the tabulating machines? Who brought in what uh, what at 3.30 and 4 a.m.? Were they ballots, as the Republicans have said they witnessed, or was it food, camera equipment, as the media claimed? Was there any security keeping people out of the building who did not have credentials to get in? Were there other unexplained ballot dumps past the 8 p.m. deadline for ballots, as several other witnesses have alleged? Was Nick the co-owner of Dominion Voting Services, present on site, as Melissa Carone has said, were GOP challengers being ejected for making good faith challenges, or were they refusing to wear a mask? So 
Those are the questions that could be answered with video surveillance. Hey, video surveillance, not a bad thing. No, no, you talked about that. I know. You've brought it up. You've been talking about it for five years. Yeah, I've been talking about it for as long as I can remember. And, you know, in Philadelphia, when we were a member of the Philadelphia GOP, Al Schmidt was just like a spineless guy. And uh, he's now the county commissioner or something like that uh, of, of elections. And he's in charge of a lot of stuff. What a buffoon, honestly. But... He, he has no spine, and he never stood for anything. And it's the reason why Philadelphia is a one-party town. But you know what? He's just a rhino is what he is. So what can you say about that? You know, it's one of these things that's just terrible that people don't stand for nothing, right? Well, guess what? I people got somebody... don't stand for anything, Scott. Well, I was using that uh, on purpose. All right. Now, the thing is, Tupperville, Tupperville stands for something. Yeah. Mo Brooks stands for something. something. Even Rand Paul, I got to say, stands for something. And you know, he stand stood a lot in Rand Paul. Remember all the filibustering he did? Absolutely. <laughs> and you know who else stands for a lot? General Flynn. We're, we have a really great uh clip and interview with General Flynn telling uh suggesting to the uh, to the president what the president should do. And uh also there's um a lot of others too that uh, are, are basically saying it's time to get tough. If the courts aren't going to come through for you, then it's time to get tough. It's time to stand tall. It's time to be brave. And Donald Trump is the bravest person in Washington. I don't even want to say the word politician. That would be an insult. Uh, before I get to that, Emerald Robertson, Robinson from Newsmax said, Hunter Biden is the smartest guy that Joe Biden has ever met. Emerald Robertson also said, it's Friday, December 18th, and Joe Biden is still not the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's for doggone Well, that's sure. for sure, and people keep missing that point, and I think he tries to ignore that by constantly announcing new members of his administration. You know, this administration may never come to be. Yeah, and uh, Code Monkey said, uh, SCOTUS is compromised. Without rule of law, the republic is imperiled. Checks and balances are moot. Our Constitution is in, a, in its death throes. Real Donald Trump, you know what to do. And so he put together a really cool thread. Code Monkeys did. And it, it goes like this. And this is in line with the clip you're going to hear from General Flynn. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, uh, Trump is about to make the biggest decision of his presidency. Let me explain. And he goes, December 50, oh, this is, this is actually pretty cool. December 50 B.C., before Christ. Yeah. Julius Caesar was enormously popular and commanding an army of fiercely loyal soldiers. The Roman swamp wanted nothing to do with him. And, and in January 49 B.C., uh, the Roman Senate ordered Julius Caesar to disband his army and return home or become an enemy of the state. Julius Caesar, with the popular support of the Roman populace and the loyalty of the military, marched his army over the Rubicon River in the north of Italy and became a legend in history. Fast forward to December 2020. Yeah. You see where this is going, right? Yep. Donald Trump is enormously popular and commanding an army of fiercely loyal soldiers. 
The U.S. swamp wants nothing to do with him. Election infrastructure was allegedly attacked, and he now has his back to the wall. The courts have failed him. His own political party has failed him. Trump still has immensely, uh, pop, immense popular support with, within the U.S. populace, and the fiercely loyal uh, military supports him. Trump has EO 13848. Well, while you're doing this, can you look, look that up? Look up what EO, EO 13848 yeah, is. Yeah, just look it up so I have the details. Trump has EO 13848, which allows him to take drastic measures and could potentially be used to restore the republic. Does Trump utilize EO 13848 and become a legend in history? Or does Trump submit his family to the mercy of the incoming administration who will be hell-bent on making an example of them? Does Donald Trump want to restore the republic to greatness and become a legend? Does Donald Trump want to be known forever as one of the greatest leaders of all time? EO 13848 is Trump's Rubicon. And I think that that was a really well done piece. Honestly, three things could happen. Trump uses EO 13848 to restore the republic and drain the swamp. Trump uses EO 13848 and becomes a dictator like Caesar. Most likely, in my opinion, nothing happens. And that was a, a dissenter, you know, of that point. It's an executive order that imposes certain sanctions in the event of foreign interference in a United States election. The EO stands for executive order. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, well, we know that. But right, um, yeah. so repeat that again. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a, an executive order that imposes certain sanctions in the event of foreign interference in a, in a United States election. Right, and so there. Uh, this and it is, was something that Donald Trump signed on September twelfth, twenty eighteen. Right, and that's why uh, it's so important. And Section 1 of the order establishes an interagency process for determining whether election interference has occurred. And then, you know, it goes on to talk about questions such as the extent to which any foreign interference that targeted in election infrastructure material materially affected the security or the integrity of the infrastructure or the tabulation of votes, or the timely transmission of election results. So that's kind of key. Whether their interference affected the security or the integrity of the infrastructure, the tabulation of votes, or the timely transmission of election results. And another point is, if any foreign interference involved activities targeting the infrastructure or of pertaining to a political organization, campaign, or candidate, the extent to which such activities materially affected the security or integrity of that infrastructure. So what that that does is that second part talks more about how it could have inter, undermined a campaign of a particular candidate. Well, and that's where John Ratcliffe comes in. Yeah. John Ratcliffe said he's not going to certify until the uh, intelligence makes its way out there and, and, and appears before Congress. And Congress, and Mo Brooks particularly, is requesting that uh, this election fraud be heard in the House um, oversight. Uh, but let's take a listen to Catherine Herridge talking about DNI Ratcliffe. What did Ratcliffe say about election fraud and interference? Well, DNI Ratcliffe leads the 17 intelligence agencies and he has 
access to the most highly classified information that is held by the U.S. government. And he told CBS News that there was foreign election interference by China, Iran, and Russia in November of this year. And he is anticipating a public report on those findings in January. What did Ratcliffe say about election? So, and, and uh, there's more to that story, but DNI Ratcliffe is uh, basically uh, dropping the hat. He basically said, "There's no uh, under there's no uh, uh, under no uncertain terms will we certify the election until we address the elephant in the room. There yeah. was foreign intervention, yeah, and a and lot, they, and that hasn't happened. And a lot of these secretaries of state and uh, governors, uh, like Kemp and uh, Raffensperger in Georgia." We're in bed, bed knee deep with yeah. some of the worst Chinese yeah. diplomats. Yeah. Uh, you also have, you know, Eric Swalwell being victimized by a spy, Yang, 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 Fang, Fang, whatever her name yeah. was. Um, you know, um, that was a situation where they, they were now trying to question Swalwell and he won't answer questions. Yeah. He's never seen a mic or a camera that he didn't embrace. And. Uh, there he is, sidestepping and skirting away, just like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you know, would hide from the press over the Iwan, Awan brothers uh, situation, right? Uh, these Democrats have big mouths until, you know, they're put on the defense and they get away with murder. Just look at what Biden did, you know, uh, just look what the press covered for him and how they covered for him and how they go after the jugular for Trump. So I just say, you know what? The gloves are off. Let's just take it and just stick it right down their throat. You know, no no sense uh, trying to posture. Mitch McConnell wants to sit back and maybe, you know, work with the parliamentary procedures. Trump was right the whole time when he says, Mitch, do it, Mitch, do it. You know, whether it's go nuclear, Mitch, because given the chance they would go nuclear on steroids and given the chance they would pack the court attack the Senate and open the borders and tax you to death and become a communist nation. They would be a tyrannical government. And this is what the Democrats would turn this thing into, a, a real crap hole. You know, it would really be a terrible situation uh, for our country. And we're not going to stand for it. We're going to fight as if this is the civil war of our lifetime. This is the exist. This is really part of our existence right here. So this is big. So let's listen to General Flynn uh, talk about strategy and what what needs to happen and what can happen. Uh, he's with Greg Kelly on Newsmax. Your take overall on the election and what should happen next? I think that the uh, well, number one, President Trump won on the 3rd of November. The, the, uh, the things that he needs to do right now is he needs to appoint a special counsel immediately. He needs to seize all of these Dominion and these other uh, voting machines that we have across the country. He needs to go ahead and uh, prioritize by state and probably by county, Fulton County, Maricopa County, as an example, uh, exactly what they did up in Antrim County, Michigan, and what they discovered. I think if he if he looks at probably a couple of random sampling of some of these counties, he's going to find exactly the same problem. These machines are clearly, clearly there is a there is a foreign influence that is tied to this system. And it goes back to China, likely goes to Russia, 
likely goes to Iran. We know that Venezuela uh, has uh, has participated in the development of these machines. There's been problems all over the country with them. This uh, not only Dominion, but also this Smartmatic software. So he, he's got a couple of options that he can take. And he needs to take them. He needs to take them right now. So I hear some murmurings. Uh, you know about the staff shakeup at the Pentagon. And they're putting people in place who might not be opposed to aggressive action. And the president mm-hmm. does have some options, at least on paper. Can you tell us what those options are and um, your opinion, if he might take any of them? Well, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to take any of these options. I, I mean, the president has to he has to plan for every eventuality because we cannot allow this election and the integrity of our election to go the way it is. I mean, this is just totally unsatisfactory. There's no way in the world that we are going to be able to move forward as a nation with this. So the president has a has a, a and I just mentioned one of the options. I mean, he could immediately on his order seize every single one of these machines around the country on his order. He could also order he could order the the um, in, within the swing states if he wanted to. He could take military capabilities and he could place them in those states and basically rerun an election in each of those states. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, these people out there talking about martial law, it's like it's something that we've never done. We've done the martial law has been instituted 64, 64 times, Greg. So I'm not calling for that. We have a constitutional process. We clearly have a constitutional process. I think you highlighted some of that in, the, in, the, in your previous segment. That has to be followed. But I will tell you that I'm a little concerned about Chief Justice John Roberts at the Supreme Court. I mean, that we, we, can't, we can't fool around with the fabric of the Constitution of the United States. And I think that right now the Constitution, if the, if the Supreme Court doesn't get involved in at least making sure that the, that the fabric of that Constitution is, is held together, and all they have to do is look at the evidence. They have to look at the evidence. I'm not certain. In fact, I don't believe that the Supreme Court of the United States hasn't even looked at the merit of any of the cases that have been put forward yet. What they've been looking at is process files, whether somebody crossed the T or dotted an I. And that, that's unsatisfactory. That is, to me, that lacks courage. It lacks moral, moral fiber uh, within, the, uh, within the, uh, the chief justice and, frankly, within the members of the Supreme Court. And I, I actually think that this is too, this is an unprecedented time. It's a crucible moment in our history. And we, we have to, we, we should expect much more out of the Supreme Court. And, and clearly, uh, you know, well, the other thing I would say, and, I, and I'll stop, is we, I expect much more out of the Republican Party. They need to start yeah. standing up and fighting for this president. So many of them, I think, in their heart of hearts, I'm talking about the swamp. I mean, they want to go I mean, back they're all, to. They're all, worried, they're all worried about Georgia. They're all worried about this this runoff in Georgia. That's it's a fake election. You can't have another election in on the same system. It's a broken system, and and we cannot allow a system that's tied to foreign powers to be used to vote. For our for the vote for the president or any election, any elective office in our country. Yeah, listen, I know about the well. First, the Republicans, uh, the leadership. Yeah, let's face it, a lot of them, they'd breathe a sigh of relief if Donald Trump left the stage. Uh, they would, and They're I think that's weak a shame. And lack courage. They what? They are weak and they lack courage. I am there's not going to. But there's not enough of them. I'm not going to argue with you. I do think, uh, although from my perspective up here, 
I do think it's important to vote in the Georgia election, but I know what you mean about the systems down there and they haven't been corrected. Do me a favor, General, I want to bring you to two other things. Why is Barack Obama so afraid? Well, that was interesting, and we're going to continue with that. We're going to continue with that. But, you know, I've heard a lot of arguments where Greg Kelly was basically saying uh, something to that effect, uh, something to that effect that um, uh, I'll definitely vote, you know, and Greg Kelly is a longtime conservative. And it's interesting because Lynn Wood is a registered Democrat, and uh, and General Flynn is a registered Democrat, but a true patriot. You know, we we like General Flynn. But um, the thing is, is that you wonder um, about this whole thing about, okay, these Democrats uh, that are true patriots uh, that are fighting for Donald Trump, probably more than Mitch McConnell and any rhino and, and any Republican uh, other than maybe Rand Paul and Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson and you know, a lot of and, and Jim Jordan and, and a lot of those great Republicans. Um, but these are these are somewhat like uh, registered Democrats uh, that are actually fighting on behalf of the president of the United States. Um, and uh, they're they're the one bringing the bringing the greatest fight. It was Sidney Powell that actually um, in her book praised Emmett Sullivan. She praised Emmett Sullivan. And that was interesting. Right. Uh, because Emmett Sullivan turned out to be the worst of the worst judges that was just raping, uh, raking uh, uh, General Flynn through the coals, right? That's that judge in D.C. That, that required a pardon to get, you know, Flynn out. And Flynn got the pardon. But you have to ask the question, too, why did Flynn in the first place use the, the uh, law firm that was owned, uh, run by Eric Holder? Eric Holder's law firm. It was the firm that was first representing. Now, I don't think he got great represent, representation. And I, we all know how smart General Flynn is. So why would he do that? And, you know, you wonder about these questions. You have to ask the questions. And yet, you know, I don't like that angle where Lynn Wood or even uh, General Flynn there was hedging toward, you know, the, the vote down there is rigged. Why even bother? You're going to lose. Um, that could very well be true. That you know, I mean, the computer's going to beat your score no matter what because it's a digital number. You know, the computer's going to beat your score. You could have a turnout of all turnouts. In fact, we did on November third. We had a record turnout. The turnout was a record turnout. No sitting president ever got seventy-five million votes. Yet, still wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough on purpose because somebody actually put into a calculator how many de- how what what the number needed to be and they just digitally with their fingers you know punched it in please tell me i mean this is ridiculous you know this is absolutely ridiculous that we're in a situation like this and um terry from arkansas wrote uh, texted me, Trump can't win in courts. Obviously, they're corrupt, unable to rule fairly. Swallow, uh, swallow, swallow, swell. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have read that. <laughs> but it is funny. He said swallow, swell. Um, wasn't <laughs> It's a tongue twister. <laughs> wasn't victimized, complicit, entitled. Uh, so he wasn't victimized. He was complicit. Yeah. All right. Um, the well, you know, that's that's probably very true. And that's probably the same with Diane Feinstein with her driver or whatever the 
heck he was. Um, and uh, okay, so in any case, um, I'll see Leonard. See if you could read this. Uh, this is a long text from our friend. Uh, if if there's anything we can put on air, do you want me to read that. it? Well, no, you. No, no, I'll no, skim no. through it. And yeah, see as I'm doing this, see see what's good for air. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so we get a lot of texts coming in, you know, and things happening. Uh, we're going to continue with this interview, though, but uh, I, I think General Flynn's nailing it right here, and uh, I think he's doing an excellent uh, report on what needs to be done and what can be done. Uh, let's take it. Oh, by the way, one last thing about the courts. The courts, the Supreme Court, uh, Basically, when you have a dispute against the state, when a citizen has a dispute against the state, uh, they generally don't weigh in on these things. So that's why, in one sense, uh, the, the Michigan case might get tossed because it's an individual against the state. Um, in Georgia, there's also that case. So President Trump tweeted out, you know, he's extremely disappointed in the Supreme Court. And we all heard what a spineless coward Robert, uh, Chief Justice Roberts is by uh, Mo Brooks. Uh, so, you know, we got to do something. And Lynn Wood, Lynn Wood has also come out and said what a coward Roberts is. What a what an anti-America judge this guy turned out to be. Of course, he was nominated and then con- uh, by George W. Bush. So, go figure. Afraid of you. Uh, and it's very interesting. There was a the transition meeting four years ago this month or last month, I guess. Barack Obama in the Oval Office with Donald Trump. And the report is that he warned Donald Trump about two things. Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, and you. That's it. Uh, I find that interesting. Why would he single out of all the people in the world, all the people in the government, you? Public enemy number one, right, according to Barack Obama. You know, there's so many things that would not have happened had... Uh, they not targeted me to target Donald Trump uh, really during his campaign. And, way, and now we know it goes way back, goes even further back. So um, th- there are so many outcomes or so many consequences from what they did to me to, to, to target the president of the United States, therefore targeted the American people. And they basically did such severe damage to our country over the last four years I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's crazy how much the President Trump was able to accomplish. But Barack Obama, uh, what he did in his previous administration, what they did to not only myself and my family, but President Trump, his family and our country was to really tear up, tear apart, you know, as much as they could. And frankly, because, you know, we're still in this process, we're still in sort of this coup, this coup effort. And we're feeling it right now in this uh, fraudulent election that yeah. we just cannot outstand. Something hey, more has to be. General, I found this moment so wild. Lying, it seems, comes very easy to former Vice President Joe Biden. And he was caught. And this is one of the times I'll give credit to George Stephanopoulos on the Good Morning America show. Watch this. You've probably seen the clip, but it's pretty fascinating. Check it out. What did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done? I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. 
You were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael Flynn over those conversations he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that there, they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. I mean, that's, he's busted right there. Um, he, I, he had, I, he, what he had was he had a Sergeant Schultz moment. You know, I know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I mean, this is the vice president of the United States at the time in the Oval Office, and we now know this. And now he's, he's, he's going to be what? He's going to be our next president? Not through this election. We have got to get this election fixed. I agree. Got Stand by. We've got cases on the docket, January 6th, and who knows what exactly. can happen. You know what? Who knows? And just, uh, let's see. Let's see what happens. And I know uh, folks close to the president, you, others, working hard, General Michael yep. Flynn, United States Army, retired. So Greg Kelly, uh, who's the host of that show on Newsmax, uh, is turning out to be a real star on that channel. Yeah, absolutely. And, They've uh, got some good programming there. Yeah, and so uh, he has been doubling and tripling down on every every day reporting uh president trump's my president uh biden has not been is not the president-elect you know there should be a disclaimer for every time a person tweets that or facebook posts that uh incidentally i'm still banned on facebook for x amount of days i i guess i have four more days in facebook jail something like that so it may be less than that, actually. People have been writing in and asking, "Where have you been?" and stuff like that. And if Scott is I not posting on Facebook, rest assured he's in Facebook jail. Yeah. Well, I can't even respond to them. I can't respond to anybody who writes me or anything. So, and and you know what they banned me for? I know what they banned it you for. It was a show promotion. Uh, I just promoted the show, like I have been doing for the last five. Yeah. You know, more than five yeah. years, and and that's it. Boom. I was just. And I don't, I don't post it everywhere. I just post it on my user account. Yeah, well, you know, right? they've got some very weird policies with Facebook, and they make conservatives go through hoops well, about things when you want to register events because they what they what they do is they do, they create a process, and the process is time consuming. And then by the time you've got done all the electronic paperwork, your event's over. Well, if you type in scottadamshow.com and try to like you know post that in Facebook. It'll tell you scottadamshow.com is it is you know is banned, right? And I don't even have a blog site on scottadamshow.com. You just I don't promote write anything. You're just promoting the show. All it is is where my podcasts are. So yeah. what in the world is that? How can you? I'm just letting people know where they can actually hear the live they're streams. Sa- they're saying that you're spreading propaganda and you're spreading stuff that's not true. That's what it is. I mean, all I'm doing <laughs> is talking. Well, maybe Scott, maybe maybe you, maybe we're making a difference if people want to shut us up. Honestly, I don't know. Does this sound like you know detrimental to your health to you? No, no. But but the the point to actually have a platform and speak uh, your opinion, etc., is you know is something that we have in the United States, and this goes back. To the whole issue, which uh, we've talked about all the time, about the Section 230, are these organizations uh, utilities well, or are they publishers? Well, I don't know, but you know what? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is selling off his shares to Facebook in a, I big, know. a big way. Yeah. 
It's a huge. Well, uh, you should look into some of the donations of Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, well, uh, Priscilla Chan. I mean, he actually he actually facilitated the rigging of this election. He or, he paid for or, the organizations. He paid for the uh, coordination. He paid for space and machines. Uh, what he had, what he has done, this guy, radical, radical, left wing nut job, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. You think uh, Jack Dorsey's? Jack Dorsey pales in comparison to what kind of a madman Mark Zuckerberg is. He, li- literally, that guy is that that guy is basically Bill Gates 2.0 yeah. with the vaccines and all this stuff. He wants to control you and and kill you. You know, I mean. There was a woman in Australia that uh, she was a nurse and she takes in the vaccine. She gets it put in her arm. She's talking about how how they, much they want it in their hospital and how great it is. And then starts getting dizzy and passes out. Yeah, I saw right that after video. She took that. Um, so I don't know. You know, you'd be a fool to take it if you're under 40 uh, because... Nobody's nobody's dying of it. Under well, and 40. that's going to become a real issue about the vaccine. Who actually should be taking it? And I, and I foresee this coming. That digital gonna, passport. That well, there's digital passport, but there's also the issue of you. You may come to a point of rationing at some juncture, and you know, and if if it's not being produced in sufficient capacity. All right, uh, we got uh, caller Julie uh, from PA is on the line. Julie. Good morning. Good morning. I I will be very quick. That interview with Michael Flynn was awesome. Thank you for replaying it. And um, I just thought of something. He gave a great idea. Confiscate the voting machines in Georgia. That will put a monkey wrench and do it because of fraud and say that you can't have another election until uh, proof of fairness is is in play and what if zuckerberg helped to pay for the georgia machines that would be a premise to uh confiscate the machines then they could have a free and fair election without the without the machines yes that's that's actually that's actually a really good point that you just made i really appreciate that um so you know if you did confiscate those machines they wouldn't have any machines so you'd say, okay, well, then we're going to have exactly. to switch the paper balloting. And that way, the, yeah, all, these regular, early, regular, yeah. all, all these early, all these mail-in ballot harvesting, um, all that, that, that Stacey Abrams is bragging about, yes. they couldn't be scanned into the machines. Yeah. So everybody would have to show up and, and vote. That's right. You do it on the premise that he, they have to prove, then unless they can prove that Mark Zuckerberg didn't help pay for the machines, then, uh, then, uh, yeah, the and you know what? You know what? And do what the Democrats yeah. did. The Democrats basically burned down the field, right? They just burned the exactly. they burned the whole they burned the whole field down, right? The, where the game was going to be played, they just torched it, right? And and basically, yeah. if Trump did that, it's like okay, the Democrats are going to lose like a, in a landslide because there won't be any rigging, and. Next thing you know, the Democrats lose in a landslide, and then what's going to happen? They're going to contest it in court? That's exactly the game that they were playing That's here. Right. They burned it down. They basically yeah. ripped everybody off and said, we, we would have a better chance litigating this in court than we would on the night of the election. Because we're going to lose well, on the night of the election. We know great. that. Thank you so much. What's that? 
thank you, thank you, thank you so much for for playing that interview because yeah. that's the way to go. Just confiscate the machines, and that's what it, you, it, it needs to be done. Thank you. That's a really really wise no, point. Have a good day. All thank right, you. you take too. care. Bye bye. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, that's a really good point, and you know, and so what? What they think? I don't care whether we hurt their feelings right now. Right. Yeah. We're at war with each other and they want to, you know, change our country. And we want to live in the country that uh, was made great by the people who have given their lives and fought for our country before us. Um, You know, and we honor that. We honor them. We respect them and we respect, uh, you know, our founding fathers and we uh, appreciate our founding fathers. We have gratitude in our hearts for that. But for somebody to come in and just want to just wreck everything. You know, and these these crocodile tier weirdos. I mean, uh, whether it's Chuck Schumer or Jerry Nadler, um, or, or 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 Speaker Pelosi, I mean, give me a break. These people are out to lunch flakes, yeah. right? They're flaky people. They're criminals, and they are liars, yeah. and uh, they're cheats, and they're they're uh, corrupt, and they take money. Uh, and you, the middle class working engine of society, uh, end up paying for it handsomely through taxation, regulation, and control. And you have to fight uphill battles because your jobs are being sent overseas because of the exploitation of slave labor. And so we got to stop this, right? There are several paths to victory, though. There are yeah. several paths to victory. We're going to enjoy this victory. This will be the epic victory of all times. Oh, yeah. This would be oh, the yeah. one. And uh, there are so many paths to victory right now uh, through uh, that you might not even need the Supreme Court uh, because of the fraud that they're finding in Antrim. You're probably going to find that fraud, say, in Cobb County with the signature verifications uh, and across the state if they can pull that off and get that. Signature verifications across the state in Georgia. Maricopa County with the same kind of problems as Antrim, Michigan, and Clark. That's going to flip Arizona. These states are separated by such small margins, it's not even funny. And so you flip these states, Arizona, Nevada, and uh, Wisconsin with the uh, indefinitely confined, and with uh, PA with the violation of the state legislature, and uh, so on and so forth, and in Georgia with the constant fraud. I believe all six of those states, there's seven that have dueling uh, electors uh, when you add New Mexico, but I believe all six of those states, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania can be flipped uh, just on the merits alone if the the courts will hear the cases and litigate. Uh, but the state legislatures have control as well. They don't even need the courts for that. Anyway, um, we're at the end of our show. You've been listening to the Scott Adams Show. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest on podcasts and our YouTube channel. My name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. A long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there